when I was a kid growing up, uh, as, as every young child does, you begin to think through what you want to be when you grow up. Like, what are you going to be when you're an adult? Um, which at that time was a horrific thought of being an adult, and it seems so far away. Uh, but now my kids are adults, and it, it's just weird. I'm not going to cry or lament. Um, but uh, yeah, I was thinking, you know, you always have these thoughts. Well, I don't want to be when I grow up. And for me, and really I think it was true for every young boy uh, in America in uh, the early 80s that um, there were a few things we wanted to be. I desperately wanted to be a, a truck driver, right? Like a big 18-wheeler truck driver. I thought those things were awesome. Um, anytime we we're on the road, especially if we're on vacation, going down the highway, if you pass one right there, you know what boys are doing. They're Blow that horn, man. Blow it. And because our parents didn't love us back then, we weren't buckled in and we we're climbing in the back <laughs> of the window. And blow that, blow that horn. And if that guy blew that horn, you knew he was blowing it just for you, alone, no one else. And it was basically him saying, you can be me when you grow up if you want to. Like that's, that's why. So I thought that was cool. I wanted to be that. But then at the same time, I wanted to be an astronaut. And those are polar opposite jobs um, that happen on different planets. And it, I, don't, I didn't know how to, like, how do I be an astronaut and a truck driver? Those never came together for me. So this is plan B, and it's working out okay. Um, so bear, bear with me, but I'm doing kind of the backup gig um, working here at the bridge uh, this morning. So if, if I'm rusty, if I'm not like, he's, uh, it's plan B, all right? Because um, those didn't work out. Uh, but that, that's what I wanted to be. Um, the third thing that young kids, in the, especially guys in the early 80s, they wanted to be Hulk Hogan. I thought that would be cool as well, um, but I didn't want to wear the tights. So um, I passed on that. Uh, I, w- I share that because I want us to begin thinking about what did, what did like Jesus want to be? Or guys his age when he was growing up, uh, maybe in, even in the teenage years, we don't have much about Jesus from, we don't have anything really from Jesus from 12 to 30 other than he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we can really do a deep dive into what that means, but we don't have much of that life of him. When he was a kid, he was in the synagogue teaching and the rabbis were blown away by his knowledge. Um, but uh, Jewish boys, around the time that Jesus would have been a Jewish boy and back really for a few hundred years, when they were growing up, there was one thing every Jewish Hebrew boy wanted to be when he grew up, and that was a rabbi. That was the goal, because that was, for men, the most highly valued job in Hebrew culture for a man was to become a rabbi. Because that meant, if you were a rabbi, and you couldn't become one until you were 30 or older, um, and uh, it, to become a rabbi was just this honor. You, you had what it took to um, understand God's word. You had basically the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. You could repeat it. You could say it out loud. You could recall it. You knew how to teach the prophets and all this. And you were leaders in the synagogue, which was the hub of Hebrew life. I mean, this was the ultimate job for a Hebrew uh, boy in that culture. And so parents began to train them up early in that way. You would go to, you would go to synagogue every day for school. Um, you were learning the Old Testament, those books um, that they had access to and that were written at that time. You were memorizing them. You were learning how to apply them in life, how to teach them. You were learning kind of what it meant to live as a rabbi and how that played out. Um, and as you aged into your teen years, usually around 14, 15, or 16, 
16, you might have the opportunity to become a rabbi. And so rabbis at that time, they were in the synagogue. They were teaching these classes. They had kids around, young teenage boys around. And what the rabbi at this time is doing is as he would come to the synagogue, he's keeping his eye out for a young man that knows God's word, knows, knows what it means, how to teach it, how to apply it. But then not only had like... The, the knowledge of a rabbi, but had kind of that spirit of a rabbi. Like, they not only know how to, what they need to know, but they know how to do it. Like, they could just see something special. You know, they had that in them. And so when, when uh, a rabbi was there, if they saw a young man that kind of checked those marks and was ready to kind of step in to training for a rabbi, um, that rabbi would look at that young man and say, you follow me. It sounds familiar, right? Because that's what Jesus said to his followers was follow me. And here's, here's the interesting thing terminology wise. If a young man heard that, he left the school, he left his family, and he began to follow that rabbi and was known as the rabbi's disciple. So it wasn't just Jesus that had disciples. All the rabbis were building their group of disciples and adding men to it. And if a young man was asked to follow a rabbi, it's like he won the lottery. He made it. He now gets to train to be a rabbi. And that meant something. And so that young man is now following this rabbi around. Wherever the rabbi went, the disciple went. And, um, and he was trying to see, how does this rabbi handle the word? How does he engage with people? What's he like at the synagogue? Because the, the disciple already had the knowledge. He just needed to know how to live it out as a rabbi. Right, And so they were close to each other. They were with their rabbi. They were listening to their rabbi. They were obeying their rabbi. They were following the rabbi from town to town, from synagogue to synagogue, so they could become like the rabbi. And when they would go into towns, there was a saying of a blessing that would be given from the wise men and the sages in that town or that synagogue. They would see a rabbi come in and his disciples, kind of like a mama duck and her ducklings, kind of coming in. They're all right there behind them. They've been walking these dirty, dusty roads and dust is being kicked up as they're traveling. Basically, whatever the rabbi stepped on then was kicked up onto his disciples behind him. And so as they would come into a town, these wise men and, and sages would give this blessing to the disciples and they would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. I love that. And it's not this statement of, I hope you're dirty, you know, and you're literally covered in dust, but it's, may you be following so closely behind your rabbi, trying to learn his ways that the literal dust he's kicking up is, is on your face and on your clothes. It means you are that close of a follower. Now, with that in our mind, Thinking about Jesus, Jesus was considered a rabbi, right? There are even synagogue leaders in his time we read about in scripture that would call him rabbi, teacher. He had that type of authority that he knew scripture better than any of the rest of the rabbis. Now Jesus though, when he began to call his followers at age 30, when he was old enough to be considered a rabbi, right? That's when his public ministry began and when he began to call disciples to follow him. He didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to the school. He didn't go to the trained and the learned. He went to uneducated common men. In fact, in, in one of the gospels, uh, actually it's in, it's in Acts 
uh, not one of the gospels, in Acts, the, the disciples that were, they were doing some work and teaching and healing and they got arrested and went before the judge and the, or the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and they said, we can tell these are uneducated men, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. Like they had followed Jesus. They had learned his ways. They could see it. And um, so when Jesus is going around, that's who he's looking for. He goes to guys that are fishermen and uh, tax collectors and working with their dad because, you know, the rabbi thing didn't work out. They tapped out at some point. But Jesus looks at them. He's known as a rabbi and they're down there fishing, doing their thing. And he goes, hey, follow me. And for them, it wasn't just a let's go hang out. It was, I want you to be my disciple. I'm a rabbi, I'm choosing you. So that call to these men, these common men, uneducated, just working their job to follow Jesus, this was a call of honor. It was exceptional that they would be invited to follow a rabbi. And so at the end, and so they follow him. It makes much more sense to understand that when you read about these guys leaving their jobs and their families and following Jesus, right? Because the call to follow a rabbi is the highest calling. The call to follow Jesus is the highest calling. So these guys left and followed him. Three years later, Jesus is crucified, raises from, from the dead, lives for 40 days, being seen and touched and eating with people, and then ascends into heaven. And as he's going up, you, if, if you've read the story, you know he's looking at his disciples and he gives them an instruction. He says, go and make what? Disciples of all people, teaching them to observe all I've taught you. So the disciples' job now is to go and make other disciples, learners, followers, but not of them. They weren't the rabbi of the teacher of Jesus. So they're going around and anybody and everybody, uh, Jewish, Gentile, no matter what their station in life was, they were telling them about their rabbi, who he was, how he lived, how he taught, his, his work, and, 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 and that he is not just a rabbi, but he's the rabbi, the way to God. And then they made disciples. And then those disciples said, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? Paul says that. And then those disciples made disciples. And those disciples made disciples until those of us in this room who would say we're followers of Jesus, there was a disciple who in some way communicated the truth about our rabbi to you. And now you're a disciple. You have received, if you're a believer, you have heard the call from Jesus, follow me. And you begin to follow him. Now, when I use the phrase following Jesus or a Jesus follower, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to use the phrase Christian. I don't think it's bad. I just think there's a misunderstanding sometimes with it. So to make it real clear, I'm going to call Christians Jesus followers. And, and this is the person who has heard the story of Jesus, his purpose, his righteous life, his sacrificial death, his miraculous resurrection, and then his glorious ascension, and there's this hopeful waiting that he's coming back in anticipation. They've heard that, and they've believed it, but they've also taken a step into, you know what? I need to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be obedient. I want to follow the way he lived. That person is a Jesus follower. That person's a true Christian. So that's what I'm talking about when I give the phrase Jesus follower. What I want to talk about today is we're gonna look at a few short verses in 1 John chapter two. You can start turning there if you want. I, I want us just to maybe get a little bit of clarity 
If we're going to identify ourselves as Jesus followers, we believe what the Bible teaches about who he is, what he has done, that he's coming back, that he's our savior, that he died, he paid our, our penalty of death for our sin, he's defeated our death through his resurrection. I believe all that. Therefore, if we're saying we believe that, and we, so we want to be known as his followers, if we really want to take that step into being identified as a follower of Jesus, what does that look like? Because I think it can be kind of this um, unknown, unclear, um, you know, type of thing that's out there that maybe we have some ideas. Well, it means going to church. It means praying. It means giving. It means being kind. It's these things. And, and those are all true. Jesus followers do that. But there's something foundational about the Jesus follower that I think we kind of miss. We don't pay attention to. It's, it's really the thing that drives those other things. It's really the thing that is, is the, the life source of then our activity as Jesus followers. And that's where I want to go. I, I, I want to just kind of clarify the picture a little bit, maybe unblur some things for us. I want to give us three things of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, not just today, but at any point since Jesus called his first disciples. So look with me, 1 John chapter 2. We're just going to kind of go through these a few verses at a time, verses 3 and 4. John, this is kind of Jesus' one of his best friends. He writes, this is how we know that we know him. So this is how we know that we know, right? This is how we have assurance that we're Jesus followers. Here it is, very simple. If we keep his commands. The first thing that it looks like to be a Jesus follower is obeying Jesus. Now, as soon as we start talking about obeying and commands, about 50% of you check out, right? If statistics are true, you're like, I Man, here we go, rules. Especially if you're maybe checking Christianity out. It's just a bunch of rules. Do this, don't do that. I'm not, I'm not with that. I'm a rebel at heart. I, I want to kind of pave my own course. I let people just kind of do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody. Why do I have to have all these rules and commands? Uh, obedience. And, and you, you struggle with those parameters. Probably about 50% of you, even if you're a Jesus follower, when someone says, you have to obey the rules. Ah, oh, man, the speed limit's a suggestion. I don't know. I... I I don't, don't, don't hem me in, man. And now the other 50% of you, when you hear the idea of being obedient to rules, you're like, all right, tell me. I love order. I want to know what to do. Like I'm one of those guys. I don't mind a micromanager, okay? Like you tell me what to do to make you happy and I'm in. I, I, can, I can handle that. You're, you're one of those people that um, when someone gives you a list of things to do, stress falls off because you know this is what it means to do whatever it is. And if you want to determine which side you're on, if you're just still not sure where you are, consider how you act when you're reading a recipe to make, to make dinner. Because if you're not the rule follower, you're like, recipe, gone. But if you're the rule follower, it, this is like divine inspired sacred text that recipe is. And when you get to the, the, the instruction to take a teaspoon of flour and put it in the mixture. You know, those, those guys that don't like the rules, they're just grabbing whatever utensil they can find. Oh, that looks, and popping it in. That drives us nuts. Those of us who love rules um, and order, and when we come to a recipe, if it says a teaspoon, it means a teaspoon. No more, no less. So we find the actual teaspoon, not a tablespoon that you actually put on your table. We're finding the, the teaspoon little measuring cup, and, and we're going to Scoop out whatever it is, and there's a, there's a step. There's a step here. Don't miss it. You don't just plop it in. You do the little finger swipe. 
right across the top, right? You plop it in. If that's you, you're the rule follower. And when you hear stuff like this, it doesn't bother you. But this is something we have to look at um, because both of those ends are right in a way, but they're both wrong, right? Because they're kind of pursuing something from, from, from the bad point of view. The idea that rules bring us down or rules give us salvation, right? But there's something there in the middle. And, and we get that because in this text, when John writes it, he says, he says, this is how you can have assurance that you're a true Jesus follower, is that you keep his commands. Now this word keep, um, it's unique in the Greek. It actually means to guard something, right? Um, to, to keep a gate. Uh, it means to guard something because it's a valuable thing. It's like guarding a treasure. So John's communicating that those people who are truly following Jesus, when they see his commands, hear them, read them, whatever, they understand, whoa, this is valuable. This means something, right? This, this has weight to it, and, and they keep those. They don't, they don't want these things to be um, misread, misused, misapplied. We gotta, we gotta do this right because it's valuable. And John says it's those people who keep his commands that are the true followers. And here's something I just want you to know because if you don't like rules, you're still like, I, I, don't, get, I don't think so. When it comes to obedience to what Jesus taught and obeying Jesus, his teaching his commands, they are not a burden. They're, they're a blessing. And the only way you come to that realization is through experience. Until, until you know there's something you're supposed to do, even, especially even if it's hard, if it puts you out on the line, maybe you could get hurt or rejected, and, but you're obedient. When you do that, what you begin to realize is on the other side of that obedience, no matter what it costs you, there's always peace and joy. I'm just now really starting to get this in my life. If I'll just follow what Jesus wants me to do, even if it doesn't make any sense, he says to do this, he's speaking in my spirit, I need to take this step, I need to say this thing, I need to ask for forgiveness here, I need to own up to this, whatever it is, if we will be obedient, what we begin to learn is, man, that command was a blessing because Jesus rewarded me on the other end. And then you start looking for that. How, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? Because you know you're going to be blessed more than it's going to be a burden. So a follower of Jesus has understood these things and they obey Jesus. The next thing is this. A follower of Jesus loves like Jesus. It looks like loving other people like Jesus loves us. Look at verse 5. But whoever keeps his word. Okay, so that means whoever's obedient. Whoever's keeping, treasuring, guarding the instructions of Jesus, whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. So obedience is leading to something here in our life. Now, anytime you're reading the New Testament and you read the word love, you got to pause just a second because the Greek language, which the majority of the New Testament was written in, um, uh, has four or five different words for the English word love. Right? It can mean several different things. Um, and in English, we have one word, right? And so for me, that's difficult because I'm going to say I love me some Mexican food, but I'm also going to say I love my wife. And those are two different kinds of statements, right? They mean two different things. One's shallow, one's extremely deep. Um, so we need to understand in the Greek, what, what is it that he's saying? So this word love here is the Greek word agape. You've probably heard that before. It's, it's a common word, uh, agape love. And it's the love of God. It's, it's the love that God has for us. And when you really get into defining it, it, it means a, 
It means a love that is a determination of your will. I'm going to do this. Well, what are you going to do? Agape love is a determination of your will to give what is best to people in need. Whatever that need is, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, whatever it is, I'm going to give of myself, I'm committed to do this, to giving them what is good and right and beneficial in their life. That's what I'm going to do. And so, so that's the kind of love that he's talking about. And then John says, as you're obeying him, this love of God, this agape love in you is being made complete. And it's not completion as far as we reach the end, put a period. It means really that something is authentic. Something's genuine. It's the real thing. So if we're wanting to love God and love people the way Jesus did, it starts with obedience, We can't just jump into love. It starts with, what's he calling me to do? What's he calling me to say? How's he calling me to act? I'm going to do those things. And then supernaturally in our lives is develop this love of God that we begin to view people around us differently. They're no longer a resource to be manipulated, which if we're going to be honest, we do that a lot, right? This person has this skill this resource, a boat, whatever, and I'm going to be friends with them because it's nice weather and the lake is over there. Like it's, We're going to manipulate a relationship. That's, that's human. But what is God is saying, no, 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 no. I, this person is valuable because they're made by God. They are in his image, whether they know him or not. They represent who God is, so they're invaluable. And if they have a need... I, I got to give them myself. I need to be committed to meeting that need in their life. So what you do is when you're seeing people around, and it's got to begin in this room if we're ever going to do it rightly out there, that when we look at each other, we don't see a resource to manipulate, but we see a person that probably has a brokenness, a struggle, a sadness, a hurt, something because we all have something we're carrying, we're dealing with. Has, they have something, and, I'm, and what I'm doing and I'm saying I in general, not that I do this great. But what I want to do is look at that person and be like, ah, oh, man, they're made by God. I want to love them well. Jesus, show me what that is. What is that? Because then I want to be obedient to that because I know I'm going to get blessed from that. Right? This all works together. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to know that love, God love for other people is a huge part of what we believe. It's a huge part of what Jesus taught in his ministry. In fact, if you go and take all of his commands, there's a few that you can can get there. It's a little indirect. But if you take all of his commands and you look at it, the root of these commands is making sure people know God loves them. Making sure their needs are met and God knows, and these people know God loves them. It's a big part of what he did. So it should be a big part of us for saying we're following Jesus. It looks like obeying Jesus. It looks like loving like Jesus. And finally, it looks like walking with Jesus. Jesus. Look at verse 6. The one who says he remains or abides. I don't know if you remember, we looked at this text, Chad did a few weeks ago, the idea of remaining in Jesus, abiding in him. So if we remain or abide in Jesus, the one who does that should walk just as Jesus walked. Now, this doesn't mean that you're studying his gait and the disciples, right? He's got this little strut to the side. I'm going to do that. It means that you're, this word walk, it just means a, a lifestyle, a behavior. And, and so John is saying, you, you need to see how Jesus lived his life, his behavior, and then live your life and have your behavior match that. 
The one who says that they abide or are in Jesus, which means, that word abide means to, to settle in, be home, be at rest uh, in something. It's, it's not temporary. It's not flighty. It's, it's a settled thing. This is home. Um, that's why we say we want to call people home here. We want Jesus to be their home. Um, those people who say that that's true, then their life should be matching up in some ways with Jesus. And there's a, there's a determination to, to become more and more mature, more and more like him. This is where the word Christian, I'm a Christian, kind of ruffles some feathers because there's a lot of people that claim to be a Christian, but they're not walking as Jesus walked. They're not living as Jesus lived. And the world sees that. And so people kind of like Gandhi will say things like, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because your Christians are nothing like your Christ. And so there's people in our world that would be like, Jesus is awesome. I love what he taught. I'm all in, except those people that call themselves Christians. So, so the people who are really following him, they are learning to be with him so that they can live like him. They are walking as Jesus walked. And to walk as Jesus walked, you have to walk with Jesus, meaning you have to live your life out with him present, not just on Sundays, Right, Not Sundays and then Monday through Friday, I'm kind of doing what I want to do. And then Saturday, I feel guilty, so I'm repenting and getting ready for Sunday. And we're going to do it all over again. It's not that. It's, it's daily, moment by moment, situation by, by situation. Making sure that you know Jesus is right here with me. I want to walk with him in this situation while I'm at work, while I'm in traffic, while I'm in Walmart, while I'm home with my family, while I'm at the gym. Whatever it is, Jesus, you're here Give me wisdom, guide me, use me, help me see you, and developing that type of moment-to-moment conversation with him. That's what it means to be with Jesus. And to, if we ever want to walk as he walked, we have to do that. We have to draw close. But the, the unfortunate thing is so many Christians, they, they don't know how to do this. And it's, it's, it's simple, yet it's deep. Right, we're gonna think, well, I read my Bible this morning for 15 minutes, I prayed for 10, I even have some worship music going in the car. I'm definitely gonna go to men's group or women's group on Tuesday and I'm taking my kid to youth group. I'm gonna be back on Sunday and I'm I'm gonna tithe and you know what, I'm I'm gonna serve as well. You can do all that stuff and never be with Jesus. Do you know you can read his word every day and not be with him? Especially if you're going at it from recipe lovers in the room, check Read for 10 minutes. Prayed, check. But then you kind of move on because you're so task-oriented to the next thing and you've left Jesus behind. So the thought is, how do we get to a point where we're doing the things that, that Jesus followers should do, but the heart and the root and the motivation and the, the source for living as Jesus lived is just with him. I, this is something that I learned about three years ago. I learned about it three years ago. I didn't learn it. I'm still trying to figure this out. And up until then, it was just kind of task. I felt so bad if I didn't read my Bible during the day. And there were a lot of days I didn't. Man, crushing. And, and I read a book. It's called With by a guy named Sky Jeff and I. It's a great read. And in this book, he's just talking about all the ways we try to view Jesus and approach him and come to him and whatever. He's like, at the end, he's like, just be with him. And he talks about what this, what this is, because if we're with him, if we're abiding in him, if we're truly abiding in him, which Jesus taught us to do, these other things begin to happen. We're going to want, we're going to desire obedience. We're going to look at people and see, how can I love them? And you know what? It's so good 
when just even in the moment of um, being at my house working on something, yeah, there's just a thought about Jesus and there's a comfort and a peace. Man, there's something there. There's something there that then everything else seems to make sense and fit into place. And even if it's hard, there's hope. You know, even if it's uncertain, he's going to give clarity in his timing because I'm not just putting him on the shelf, but in, a, in the moment, ah, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, give me wisdom. Jesus, just speak to me. Would you just guide my steps? I'm going to go into work. I just want to honor you. I'm still, sorry, I'm still trying to figure this out really in my life. But I'll tell you, last night I was up here and um, there's no one else here. It was like yesterday afternoon. No one else was here. I was walking through the lobby and I was just overwhelmed. I was just overwhelmed with gratitude that God would let our family be here. And although it was weird um, and I felt a little self-conscious even though no one was here, I just out loud, I was like, thank you, Jesus. And then I went on and made copies. <laughs> like, that, I don't have it figured out, but I, I've learned that, that that's the way to live. That's the way to live as a Jesus follower. And I want to do that more and more. I'm still trying to unpack all that. And I know probably all of us are like, well, this sounds awesome, but how? What? What does this look like daily? We want to help with this. Um, and so this Tuesday and then the following two Tuesdays, so for three Tuesdays in a row, we're going to have a gathering that we're calling Following Jesus. And following Jesus is all about just this honest conversation of how, how do we follow him in life? How do we follow him in life? It is, we're all going to talk about studying the Bible and prayer and worship and those things, but how do I walk with him? How do I love others as he's loved me? How do I serve others well? How do I, how do I really build true community within the church? So this is for anyone, whether you're a new believer and you're like, I'm, I'm new, I'm in, I want to follow, I don't know how, this is definitely for you. If you're a long-term believer and you're like, I want to just walk with him, I need some help, some reminder, some encouragement, this is for you. Or maybe you're the, the one that is not following Jesus. Maybe you're interested in what it means. You've not made any decision or commitment. You like what he says, but his people have kind of, uh, they're not really following. You know what? You're going to do the same thing. If you begin to follow Jesus, you'll be a hypocrite at some point because you're still human and you're not sinless. It's just part of it, right? I'm not trying to put you down. That's just the way it is. So, but if you're trying to figure things out, come. We're going to talk through that. And on the screen is a QR code. We love QR codes around here. I, I want you to go and take your phones out. Um, you can do this. It's okay. Take it out. And if you're interested at all, just scan that. It will, it will take you to the registration page for it. We do ask that you sign up simply because we're going to feed you. Amen. And we're going to watch your children. Okay. If you have birth through, um, fi uh, through five years old, or I'm sorry, fifth grade, we're going to watch them. But we just need to know who's coming so we can have appropriate uh, people in place. Uh, 5.30, we'll have dinner. Six, and then at six, following Jesus starts and childcare starts, and we'll be done by 7.30, okay? Roll laid back, easy kind of thing. I hope you'll consider being a part of that. Because here's the truth. Jesus has called all of us to follow him. And that, just, that doesn't mean just putting the Jesus tag on and going to church. It's a life. It's a life a way we walk, a way we behave. And it, it, it's hard, it's messy, it's joyful, it brings peace. It, 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 it can do all these things, but at the end, there is such a contentment and a fullness that comes for those who've heard and believed and are doing what they can to live like him and follow him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you, God, that... Um,
you want us to be with you. That you, in the garden, you were with Adam and Eve. And through the wilderness, you were physically present with the Hebrew children. And through Jesus' birth, you came in flesh here. And then the end of the story, God, is that uh, you will return Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will be established on his earth and you will be our God. You will dwell with us and we will be your people. Help us now in 2023, whatever our life looks like, to learn and to practice following Jesus. It's where true life comes from. So I pray for those in the room that, that are fairly new, just trying to figure this out, God, that you would give them wisdom and encouragement and guidance in this path. And I pray for those who have maybe been in Christianity for a long time and have just really honed into a list of things to do and not do. Lord, I pray for freedom from that and then a true understanding of how they can walk with Jesus each day so that those things then come from a heart of gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.